Welcome to TEN, the Tenant Experience Network. I'm your host, David Abrams. We are excited to be sharing with you an interview that we recently completed with a guest that was named to the Commercial Property Executives list of stars to watch. Our guest today is Daniel Trupp, founder and president of ABOB Industrial Real Estate Brokerage. In this episode, we will learn about Daniel's journey working in investment sales, moving to brokerage, and then spending time as a product specialist, ultimately leading to his decision to branch out on his own with the goal of bringing more innovation to the industrial sector. We will tap into his early learning of the importance of making a plan. We will hear his views on the future impact of AI to predict market trends and gain insight into Daniel's thinking around how industrial space can utilize tenant experience technology, suggesting new use cases for this growing sector of commercial real estate. We're excited to be sharing this podcast with you, so be sure to follow TEN so you never miss an episode of the Tenant Experience Network. So now I'd like to welcome Daniel to the show. Really glad you could be with us today. Yeah, I've listened to the podcast. It's been a real pleasure. I'm uh, excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Great. So before we get started, just a, a quick question. Congratulations on being named to the commercial property executives list of stars to watch. I'm just curious, what does that mean for you? Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's always an honor to be recognized for, uh, for whatever it is we're, we're working on. Um, that list in particular had some real heavy hitters in there. So, uh, you know, on top of just puffing up my ego and making me feel nice, uh, it was actually great to you know reach out to some of those uh, kind of connections and just say, hey, congrats, um, you know, let's catch up, let's grab coffee. So, um, yeah, anytime something like that happens, always trying to just, uh, you know, utilize it a little bit to reconnect with people. But yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a good, good honor. Definitely cool. Very good. Well, of course, that's how we met. We saw you, your name published and reached out. So, um, I'm glad we were able to uh, not only meet, but but come together today on to, on the program. So let's start with your journey to your current position as founder and president of ABOB Industrial Real Estate Brokerage. How did you get started? Walk me through that and maybe share a little bit more about your current role. Sure. Um, so it's just a little over a year now, uh, kind of during the pandemic, I found myself looking to chart a new path and uh, I can kind of take a step back and you know, speak to my career a little bit and what got me there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, so let's, I guess, go back to, um, you know, right around 2006, I uh, graduated school, went to school down in DC and came right back to New York where I'm from, uh, just was always my favorite city in the world. So um, I can't tell you why I really got into real estate at that point. I think just kind of coming out of uh, the market that we were in, it seemed like an unstoppable asset. And uh, well, you know, we know how that worked out, but, um, you know, I toyed around with some different brokers in the area, just kind of dipping my toes and learning the business. And then, uh, around 2009, uh, coming out of the recession, uh, got my first foray into commercial real estate, uh, at a group called Handler and they own a few, um, office buildings in Midtown. So that was great exposure. It's a really good family office. And, uh, what, I was doing was taking this uh, probably 160, 170,000 foot cutting and sewing building in the garment district. And it was now antiquated because all those businesses were moving out. 
uh, and repositioning it to a um, you know more creative and, and artsy type tenancy. Mm -hmm. So we were taking 15,000 foot floor plates, chopping them up into two, three, 4,000 feet and uh, bringing in graphic designers and artists. Um, and it was a great experience. Unfortunately, I kind of leased myself out of a job because we had I think 70% <laughs> occupancy when it started and it was essentially full when I left. Um, but it was a great experience and I got to see how real estate's this kind of fluid uh, asset class, right? So even something that looks uh, outdated, you don't have to knock it down. You can just give it some fresh thought, reposition it, and all of a sudden it's really, really well suited for, for the future. Um, and then afterwards I'd moved to uh, investment sales to a company called Ariel Property Advisors and uh, also a great experience. I wasn't really doing brokerage there for the first year. Uh, it was more sitting down with the research team, doing the analytical side, evaluating properties. And, you know, we were touring things and learning the territories too. Um, but that was my first kind of foray into investment sales. And it was a, a great experience. Uh, you know, tr truthfully, I think as fun and kind of thrilling as being a broker is, part of me would have been really happy just being the analyst too. Um, right. That side of the business really kind of drew me to, uh, I was drawn to the underwriting and, understanding the market and the comps and sitting down with the researchers and trying to look at things in a new way. Um, but ultimately kind of pivoted to the broker role. And I spent about six years there as the uh, North Brooklyn brokers, kind of the old Massey-Nackle model of territories, um, which was great. And then after a while, I just wanted to kind of grow and, and move on uh, from there. So I went to Avis and Young, mm -hmm. which is a much larger company. It's global corporation. Um, something like 200 offices. So very different model instead of territory, it was product type. But again, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, sort of absorb and, and uh, understand this new model. And it really, really stuck with me. Now You don't have to just focus on one territory, but you can be a product specialist. So what I was doing there was uh, development and then under development uh, was industrial. So we were doing things like ground leases and air rights deals and land deals, but also warehouses. and um, you know, I just, I love those deals and having exposure and working on those deals. Uh, and then I started kind of thinking, well, you know, this is a, a area within brokerage um, where there's just not a ton of innovation. There's a bit of a drop off mm -hmm. from what the brokers are doing for research, for, uh, excuse me, rather for multifamily, for office, mm -hmm. down to industrial. You know, the websites aren't as sharp. The marketing material isn't as sharp. The innovation isn't quite there. So this is an area that's maybe kind of, you know, ripe for a fresh look and, and a modern approach. Um, and I just kept coming back to that. I was, I couldn't not think about it. So ultimately that's what kind of, uh, you know, spurred everything uh, launched in June of, uh, of last year. Very cool. Very cool. That's a great story. And, and it's nice to see that clearly some entrepreneurial spirit uh, leading you to see that opportunity and, and go for it. So uh, we have a lot in common on that front. Um, so what do you, what do you think, why do you were so uniquely suited then for this opportunity? What helped you to become successful? Uh, any skills, mentors, colleagues, or books along the way that have influenced you? Sure. So, uh, you know, I, th I think there was just a, a drive to innovate, to do things different. And I, I think this was the most suitable asset type to work in. Um, the way we evaluate properties, we moved from the old model of uh, printing a book and sitting down with an owner to a newer uh, 
interactive model where owners can actually engage and ask questions and in real time we can change the valuations uh, we try to step up our marketing materials too where they all incorporate um, video now which is kind of new to the industry so I think I'm just focused on the innovation which has really helped uh, everything I think I did earlier in my career definitely influenced or led me to that mm-hmm. point right I think I'm a big believer that there's no loss in any experience so even if it's not clear initially, something I picked up in the past 10 years kind of planted a seed that, hey, this would be a good idea to evaluate properties this way. Or, you know what, the market would really appreciate seeing this in the reports as opposed to this. So it was like the culmination of all those ideas. And now I, I have my own platform. I'm fortunate to have this platform where I can where I can integrate all those things. Um, as far as mentors, there have been so many. Uh, Shimon Shkuri at Ariel is probably one of the biggest. Um, when I joined there, it was a, a very uh, structured training program. So I really worked with the brokers every day, with the researchers every day, uh, learning how to run a process when you're marketing a property um, from start to finish and everything that entails. And it was like ingrained in me to the point where now I could be competing for an assignment and it's really just me. I'm a startup and I could be going against an institutional brokerage, but I can tell the owner with confidence and I know I can run a process as well as anyone else in the business. Um, and that's, that's completely because of, of Shimon and the founding team there at Ariel. Uh, Steve uh, Gutman is another one. Steve founded Storage Deluxe and he happens to be a GW alumni. So I had an opportunity to hear him speak a couple of years ago. And he gave really great advice, and I always pass it along to anyone who's kind of asking me about starting your own shop, which is very simple, but um, it was just make a plan. You know, he, he told us, make a plan. Uh, if you don't and you try to jump into things, you're going to be sizing up what the competition's doing. You're going to have 50 things that you're worried about. You're going to be not focused. You'll be overwhelmed. Start with the business plan. Start with the first step on to the second and then over time, you're, you know, you're stringing progress along. Um, and it's, it's simple advice, but it's something I probably think about daily. Right. Cool. Um, so let's agree that living through a pandemic has been pretty horrible. Um, that being said, you know, at this point, we no longer think that it can be an excuse. So we as a company, and it sounds like perhaps you're, you're aligned, you know, now's the time to be better, do better, and build something better. So I'm just curious, if I gave you $100,000, of budget right now, how would you spend it and why? It's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, kind of leaped us forward uh, in the way we rely on technology. I, two years ago, I'm you know, running around with hard copies of listing agreements and contracts, and now everything is just, you know, DocuSign. Um, the way we track information for our reports and track the market comps. I mean, it's, it's completely different now. I have apps on my phone that just, it's almost automated. So with the 100,000, I would probably uh, want to make some sort of investment in that research and bringing in AI to maybe take a look at all the cool things that we can compile now on the market and predict forward mm-hmm. how that's going to impact the next. So for instance, uh, we just did our market report. So in the first half of 21, um, I can tell you that industrial sites in the city 
with uh, less than 50% lot coverage, meaning the building is less than half the lot. So there's an abundance of land either for parking, storage, whatever. Sold at about an 81% premium over the market average. So there's a huge demand for that. Now, if we could uh, find some AI technology or partner with someone on that side who could say, well, let's aggregate all the data that we have in the market. This is a good trend right now, but you know what's in the pipeline is a million square feet uh, with parking. So in 2022, we don't anticipate it'll be such a big trend, or right. we do anticipate it'll continue to grow. And there's companies out there that are doing that. Um, and I think that would just be a really valuable tool, not only for the broker to kind of understand, okay, where are the trends going and how do I craft my message to the market, but also just for the for the market, for the owners to be able to pass that insight onto them for decision making. So uh, that's probably where I would where I put the money AI. Uh, if anyone's listening, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would give you the hundred thousand, but definitely open to to connecting and partnerships. All right. There's, there's, there's a shout out. We'll see if that uh, translates <laughs> to any leads for you. Keep me posted on that. Um, yeah, I will. I will. Thank you. There's still a lot that we don't know, uh, but I'm pretty confident that the return to workplace, which has now begun, will continue to happen. It's certainly going to be slower, certainly slower than we all thought, you know, over a year ago. Um, we certainly have now seen that flexibility is going to continue to evolve as an emerging theme in commercial real estate, recognizing that people are going to continue to work from anywhere, including the home. Um, so I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the implications for the commercial real estate industry, and in particular, your area of expertise, industrial, uh, in terms of some of the changes that you know still might be coming down the the the, the pike there. Sure. Uh, well, it, it's look, it's been a blessing and a curse, I guess. Like anything, there's pros and cons. Um, the market was pretty quiet up until I want to say around April when people started getting vaccinated. And then it was great to have the added flexibility, but like you said, it can't go on forever, right? And not a, not a whole lot of things were happening um, until you could start meeting again, until you could start walking properties again, until you can just kind of start engaging with, with owners and, and uh, walking tours. Um, so that definitely helped. That said, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. I could speak from personal experience. I probably will never go back to a full-time commute five days a week. Um, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I was waking up, you know, sort of on the on the personal side of the equation. I was waking up earlier and earlier, 6.30 becomes 5.30 becomes 5, to get a workout in and take care of the kids and rush them out the door and walk the dog and all these things to commute an hour to get to the office uh, by, I don't know, 8.39, best. Um, you know, now I have a centralized office where I can access all my markets. I can get to the city, I can get to Westchester, I can get to Jersey, I can work around rush hour um, and I just group. So if I have a city day or Westchester day or Jersey day, um, and that's, you know, that's okay for me. There will be people who are, I'm sure, getting back to, to more full time. And I think we're already starting to see that. Uh, for industrial real estate, it's interesting. I mean, it, it's it's been an opportunity, I think, of extreme uh, but unsustainable growth. I think e-commerce jumped something like 35% in the past year. And prior to that, it was up you know, 10, 12, 14% year over year. We'll probably go back to that you know, 10, 12, 14% growth uh, I would think, although now 
there's wider, larger swaths of the population that are relying on e-commerce. So that 10 or 12% of the growth will be more, will be higher numbers than, than it was off a lower basis uh, years ago. Um, but a lot of them were also deemed essential. So warehouses doing things like uh, moving around emergency PPE uh, equipment or medical equipment or cold storage for food, for vaccines, for essential, those places never really shut down. So they kind of adapted and, uh, and kept going. And now I walk warehouse spaces that are um, tweaked so that we can all kind of social distance, right? Instead of one, let's say one general locker room where all the employees would be, they all have sort of an individual taped off square or closets or almost like these cubicles. Um, so I think it, it spurred a ton of innovation, but uh, industrial probably weathered it better than any other asset right. class because for a lot of them, there was no, okay, this is the drop that locked down, no activity past that for three or six months. It, it sort of you know, trickled on and, and adjusted. Interesting. Um, you know, it's, you're right. Certainly retail and office were, were dramatically impacted, but I guess on the industrial side, they probably also had more flexibility in terms of how they also accommodated social distancing um, and sort of, you know, managing their physical space to accommodate workers to continue to, to be present. Yeah, it, definitely true. I mean, I, I'll walk where, warehouses that are um, 40, 50, even 100,000 feet, and you might run into two or three people. Right. Uh, and it's mostly, you know, just, just stuff inventory and racks and floor to ceiling uh, inventory and, you know, trucks coming in and out, but it's not a densely populated asset class. Absolutely. The way that multifamily or office or certainly retail is. Right. All right. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. This episode of 10, the tenant experience network is proudly brought to you by Hilo. Hilo is a software solution used by building operators to attract tenants, boost revenues, and streamline operations by creating connected, engaged, and informed building communities. Building operators need to connect their tenants now more than ever before, recognizing that people will be working from everywhere, including the home, forever. Unlike apps that silo one building, the Hilo Tenant Experience Network is the only solution that connects people to their building community, network, and city where they work, live, or visit. To learn more about Hilo, visit HiloApp.com. We're back with Daniel Tropp, founder and president of ABOV Industrial Real Estate Brokerage. Thanks again for being with us. So the commercial real estate industry is moving faster towards recognizing that their core business is not just about ownership. Uh, but it's about creating the best customer experience for their tenants or residents. It's places for people. Um, can you share your thinking around how we will define tenant experience in 2021 and beyond, and particularly with your slant, your bent towards the industrial space? Sure, sure. And I, I've taken a look at the uh, Hilo app, and I think it's a really innovative, a great way for uh, owners and tenants to kind of connect and communicate. communicate. Um, and I I definitely think it uh, parlays well into industrial. It just might be different uh, sort of trends, different um, property attributes and characteristics that industrial tenants would focus on. So, you know, for instance, if that was available to them, not just to communicate with, with ownership uh, about issues, which is great across product types, um, but, you know, things like parking are very important now. So maybe if there's a, a parking management aspect to it, 
um, or timing. So that employees are coming in and out at a certain time to you know, expect distancing and all that. Uh, I think that would be really helpful. Um, you know, something like uh, getting repairs done, right? Something that are the tenant's responsibility, like cracks in the floor, or maybe the owner's responsibility, like roofs or HVAC, but any opportunity we have to uh, increase and better communicate, I think uh, that would be really good. Uh, what else? Maybe there's a way to overlay it with municipalities. You know, I walk a lot of warehouses that you're just trying to drive into the the facility and that block is just completely tore up from holes from the trucks. Um, you know, and I, I have an SUV and I can't really maneuver some of these. So maybe it could uh, overlay with like a, in New York, we have 311. So whatever the municipality is to kind of report those sort of things, right. uh, any power issues that, you know, critical type infrastructure problems. Um, but I, I think there's a ton of room for growth and yeah, industrial would certainly have a, a need for focus on the tenant experience, albeit they're just different uh, attributes that, that you focus on. Yeah, no, I definitely think from our previous conversation and today, there's a, a unique opportunity and something that I'll be continuing to think about and perhaps we'll be able to connect with and talk further. Um, can you share any details about anything new that you're working on or challenges you're facing in, in light of current world circumstances? Anything you think our listeners might find interesting? Sure. Um, hiring's been been interesting, um, and I think that is really been uh, as a result of the, the situation that we're in and just the uncertainty. Uh, so you speak to a, a number of people who may not have a ton of activity wherever they are, brokers in particular I'm talking about, but they still have a seat at the table and they're unsure of what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm-hmm. So they are very reluctant ultimately to leave. Um, and it, it's interesting, I say it's interesting because for the course of the pandemic, I've been thinking, well, once things kind of pick up and return, you'll see like a, a flurry of people moving around and you know settling into whatever new roles now fit their, their current situation best. Um, there hasn't been that much of a shakeup yet, so I don't know if I, the assumption was wrong or if it hasn't happened yet. Um, but yeah, I think definitely hiring's been um, been a struggle, and hopefully, you know, things will uh, will progress with the market, and, and people get back to work sooner than later. Absolutely, I've heard others express a similar concern um, about the hiring situation. In some cases, you know, their industries have been hardly affected um, by changes during the the uh, pandemic, and in other cases, they're sort of waiting for that. You know, what's to come. Um, and, and have people sort of been just sort of sitting back and waiting? And is there, you know, an avalanche of change that is likely going to take place? So I think that will be interesting to see um, as things, you know, begin to settle, uh, how the, the labor markets respond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Our closing speed round, an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better on a more personal level. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? Uh you know what? I would love the uh, ability to locate kind of treasures, historical artifacts. Okay. Uh, I'm a huge fan of any show on TV, History, Discovery Channel, whatever, where they're uh, where they're digging holes. Basically, it's just it's compelling TV to me. Um, so I think that'd be cool. You know, you're walking along a park or a beach, and you just kind of like, no, hey, there's some historical artifact buried right there. All right, we've got a Raiders that of the Lost Ark fan, I'm sure. 
I love it. <laughs> that, would, that would definitely be it. All right. Uh, what city or country do you want to travel to first when you can and why? Um, we, uh, we like exotic places. I, I definitely try to uh, find things that are off the beaten path. Um, Bhutan is really high on my list. It's uh, like a mountain, sort of mountainous country, like a Himalayan country. Um, right. Just a, a completely different you know, perspective on life uh, and the way they eat and live and, and work and everything. It, it's um, it's almost like unearthly. So I'd, I'd love to see it. And I've been like fascinated with it for a long time. Uh, it's no picnic getting there and <laughs> right. you need... Um, you, you need like actual agents to kind of help you with the process, but it's number one on the list. Okay. Make it. Well, that, that's a go bigger, go home destination for sure. Right. <laughs> um, what do you do when you're not working? Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's changed, I guess, over the past year a lot, but um, definitely a lot of outdoor stuff. Now we hike a lot, we fish, um, will you know kayak or paddleboard or spend time on the water and uh just spending time with the with the family i love taking the kids out with the you know the nice camera and spending the day just like getting some shots of them uh yeah so it's been a lot of uh, a lot of outdoor time together probably hiked over 100 miles in the right. past year if, if i had to guess Great. I, I've heard a lot of people who are doing, who have really picked up on the hiking phenomenon as well. So that that's awesome and great to be outdoors. Uh, number one thing you miss about the workplace? Uh, hands down, the, the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bro- brokerage is sort of this wave of ebbs and flows. And when you get a high, when there's a new listing or a new deal or contract signing or closing, whatever it is, uh, just being able to like celebrate with uh, with colleagues and friends, um, it, it was one of the better aspects of the job. And uh, you know now it's it's like uh, something will happen, and I'm sitting sort of in my home office, like looking around. Oh, to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, you know, nobody's pumped up. What's going on? And then the kids will come home, and I'll like chest bump them, just flying across the room because uh, I have all this like pent up excitement. But um. Yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, that was probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I'm missing. Yeah, totally get that. And I think that's, that's one of the contributors to why we will eventually find a balance. I think some kind of hybrid situation where we, we do all those opportunities to be together with our team and colleagues again, for sure. Uh, your favorite recent TV, streaming, movie, or series? Um, on Paramount is a show called Yellowstone. I think they're kicking off the fourth season at some point. So we, um, you know, we got caught up on, on the first three, I think over a weekend. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's insane. It's like um, Sopranos meets Wild West. I mean, it's, it's just every show, every episode has, has some really good excitement. Um, and it's really well written and a great cast. So yeah, Yellowstone for sure. All right. Very good. Listen, Daniel, it was great that we were able to connect today. Um, I look forward to continue to track your success and uh, see what, uh, you know, stars to watch. Uh, one of my favorites continues to, to do over time. Um, I'd love to continue to connect 
Um, I hope to be in the New York area in the not too distant future. You, you know, we're going to think more about the industrial space and, and perhaps we'll have an opportunity to collaborate at some point. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Let's meet up. Um, thank you again for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. All right. Continue success and, and be well and enjoy your family and the hikes. And, and hopefully that, that destination trip will get in the books at some point. I'll let you know. All right. Take care. Bye now. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. I want to thank Daniel Tropp for joining me on today's episode of 10 and for sharing his journey from early beginnings in investment sales to now growing his own company. Great learning for all our listeners and an opportunity to gain insight into what it takes to become an innovation leader. Please be sure to follow 10 for future discussions with leading professionals and industry experts who all have something to say about the impact technology is having on experience in the built world. We love hearing from you, so if you enjoyed this episode of 10, please share, add your rating, and review us through your preferred podcast provider. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to me directly at david at hiloapp.com. And until our next episode, I wish you all continued success in building community where you work and live. Thank you.